Here's some cool news. Just got word that we're going to be continuing our coverage of the Tropical Turf Pick 3 throughout the months of February and March for our friends down at Gulfstream Park. What is this bet? Three turf races. The last three of the day at Gulfstream. $3 minimum, 15% takeout, both very player-friendly things. If the races get washed off the turf, the bet sticks around as it just goes on to the Tapita. And we've had some success. We've given out some really nice prices in this bet. We've hit some tickets. They're paying better than they should. This is one you want to get involved in. We're going to have shows Friday, Saturday, and Sunday throughout February or March. Look for it wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to In The Money Media to make sure you don't miss a show. Welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast. This is our show for Monday, January 29th, our Pegasus Recap Show. I think I'll probably call it when it asks me for a title in the program that we use to do such things. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatel, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again. A fun weekend down in Florida. Everything but the betting. Sometimes somebody will ask me, how are you doing? I'll be like, I'm great. Everything but the betting. A little bit of that going on down there at Gulfstream on Saturday. Had some decent opinions, but uh, just wasn't able to connect the dots. Unfortunately, these things happen. We're going to look back at these races. Going to talk about uh, some of the stories. Because if you go to Pegasus, you'll notice this. You're going to come back with some stories. It's, uh, it's a wild time. It's a racing event, truly, unlike any other great mix of party and horse racing. And a man who's always there for horse racing and always there for the party is about to join me now. Coming to us from uh, upstate New York, I believe, Saratoga Springs even, he's Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? PTF, what's going on? Yeah, it was uh, it was a fun weekend. Uh, it's it's. I always enjoy the Pegasus. It's um, I, I always say that it's they they definitely make it the best party in racing, and and they surround it with with some nice races as well. So um, it was it was it was fun. We had a good time. We you know we we steered clear from the racetrack until Saturday. Uh, it was just you know it it, it just made sense we, to get away and to, to sit by the pool like I talked about on those other uh, podcasts yeah. the, the tropical turf podcast podcast that we did and and uh, we had fun yeah a lot, uh, some interesting stories along the way but we definitely had fun good well that's the most important thing did you appreciate or were you annoyed by my cheeky joke I sent around that I thought at the last minute you were going to spin us all and head to Vegas no I loved it. I loved it. It was just, you know, after the, uh, the, the, the NHC, you know, podcast last week, like I was, you know, I was one of those deals where I had made a deal with myself that I was going to post that knowing that some, there was going to be 17 to 18 trolls and I had to not engage with them. So anytime anyone said anything about it, I tried to not engage cause I didn't want to like get more trolls going. I already yeah. had, you know, so I just, I, I left it alone. It was funny. I started to retweet it, but I just, uh, I figured I would stay away from it, but uh, yeah, Probably just won't. a nice reminder, nice reminder that, that the 17 people on Twitter aren't a representation of the rest of the world. Very hard thing to process and understand, but it's taken me a few years and I think I'm there. It really is. Well, Twitter's changed too. Twitter, you know, just looking at what Twitter means for, uh, you know, us and our business, it's like, it's not really that important anymore. I mean, I look, I like being on there. I like the interaction and the accessibility that it affords. And we do still definitely have new people finding us from there, but a lot more new people find us by word of mouth from the YouTube 
um, newsletter stuff like than there. So it's just, it's not anything you should get upset about and never mistake. And people make this mistake. They make the mistake of thinking that the few loud voices on there represent a much larger opinion than it does. Not realizing that the very way that algorithm is designed, it's like an outrage machine. It's, it's designed to promote these like fringe opinions and, you know, do not mistake them with what's actually happening in the real world. I think a better indicator, JK, and I, I'm surprised I'm starting with this rather than the big race, but I don't think we'll spend too much time on it. It's here now, topics here. So let's go with it. As far as JK plus zero goes and your thoughts on the NHC in terms of private comments, people have made to me as well as the actual comments that people, you know, don't just send a tweet, but take the time to, to make a comment on our channels, 90% positive, I would call the reaction. Is is that what you've experienced as well? Yeah, I mean, probably more than that. It's just like, because like Even you said- Even more than that, couple, well, there you go. Couple of, there's a couple of voices. You know, I mean, let's talk about it here therapeutically. You know, the <laughs> things I've heard, like the, the funny things I've heard is like people saying, uh, breaking a rule is cheating. Well, no, it's not. He's <laughs> speeding, cheating. I mean, come on. No, it's it's not. It's just, and, and I'm not trying to downplay the fact that I broke a rule. It's just, it's not cheating. Is like stealing, right? Like stealing something from someone. Like that's cheating. Doing like, something at the at the expense of 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 others is, and to meaningfully try to gain an advantage. I have no problems looking at what happened at the NHC and saying that was cheating. They broke a rule with the intent you know, maybe not at the top of conscious mind, but to take things from other people. That that was none of that. No, it's, 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 it's very easy, right? How about this? Is if the right tackle of a football game gets called for holding, is he cheating? <laughs> like, no, no, he broke I didn't think rule. about that. That's interesting because that goes beyond the definition where I was leaving it. And it's still kind of a good point. He broke a rule and he's like, and, and, and he, you know, I just, anyways, so I, that, there's a couple of those, but those are, but you know, what's my favorite thing to do is when, when someone says something stupid on Twitter to click on their profile page and it's just like the most relieving thing in the world. It's just like, oh, okay. I'm dealing with an idiot here. One guy who, one guy who's one guy who said something stupid to me last week, I went to his page. He has one tweet and it's a retweet. Okay. Of pornography. And it says it, the retweet. It said it said retweet for like you know whatever like a chance with this lady or something. And oh this my god! And I was like, and I, I, I'm letting this guy ruin my day. Like, there's no way I can allow that to happen. So, um, and then a funny thing, Pete. I ran into three contest players on an elevator at the Pegasus, and one of the guys said, "Hey, Jonathan, I just listened to your podcast." I said, "Oh, uh, thanks, man. Like, you know, how, how did you feel about it? Are you mad at me?" And he's like, oh, no, I mean, you made some good points. Blah, blah, blah. And the other guy who clearly had been like talking trash to his boys all day about it. The guy said, well, he didn't like it that much. And I said, oh, <laughs> what didn't you like about it? And his whole thing was like that he felt that the NTRA did not suggest that I cheated and that he doesn't understand the correlation of what I'm upset about. And I was like, what do you, well, if you give me the same suspension that you gave someone who literally cheated, <laughs> then you are insinuating that I cheated as well, but whatever it was, it was a, it was a, it was a useless conversation, but we, uh, we did, uh, we moved on. So yeah, it's all good. Like I said, I had to get it off my chest. I feel like I did. And there's no real reason for me to like kind of harp on it moving forward. I let people know how I feel. I think I clarified a few things to a few people that might've misunderstood what was going on. And, and, and there it is. 
Speaking of moving on, let's move on to the big event of the weekend, the $3 million Pegasus World Cup Invitational, presented by Baccarat. Um, this was a, a, a really, really good performance from National Treasure, who did something. He had a club in his bag. I didn't think he had that ability, and you know, what a terrific ride it was, too, to get him to settle the old, you want to see the definition of a stalk and pounce trip. I, I think you could show National Treasure in the Pegasus. He ran back to that number. You know, I'd, I'd argued with people. I had an argument with, um, argument's too strong, but it, it a good discussion with Matt Miller, morning of, who had he been alive in that point, was very comfortable um, doing what he needed to do to get to the top betting national treasure. And I was like, what, don't you just think he's a need the lead horse and he's not going to make the lead? And he says, maybe, but if he runs back to his dirt mile, he's four to five. You know, if, if, if we knew he was going to run back to that, he'd be four to five in the race. And I'm getting going to be getting a lot more than four to five. It's like, excellent point. And in fact, he did run back to that race, almost the exact same number, I think, 105 fire speed figure for National Treasure, who basically just laid waste to that field. One great little piece of chart handicapping you can do for a race like this is you go back and you look at a horse who was near the pace and you see where, who fills out the trifecta, right? Is it horses that were third and fourth early? Well, that's a race where the pace held together and and, and you could bet that it favored front runners most of the time. This one, uh, they were horses that were whatever it was, last and second to last early, just to further give him a within race form boost. I was very int- impressed. I mean, you know, I, I knew he was a contender. I, I He was sort of like a ba- backup, cowardly backup for me, given my real read of the race. Uh, I didn't expect to see what we saw. Uh, kudos to him in the connections. What did you think of National Treasure and his win in the Pegasus World Cup? Yeah, I mean, on paper, based off his dirt mile, he looked like he was the best horse in the field. But, you know, it's it, it's a weird race, right? Because while while really good horses have shown up there and run really well, really good horses have also shown up there and run really bad. So there's always that kind of thing in the back of your head of like, oh, what's, what am I going to get here? But I will say this about National Treasure is like, you know, I'm not comparing him to these two horses, but just hear what I'm saying. When you look at a horse like, like uh, Gunrunner or Frosted, who were allowed, and even Life is Good, who were good three-year-olds, like talented, classic winning three-year-old types. You, even though Gunrunner, I guess he, what he, he won the Travers, all right? No, he didn't. He got beat in the Travers by Arrogate. But he sure did. But, but when you have these good three-year-olds that are allowed to make it through their three-year-old year, they, they're allowed to kind of go through the bumps and the bruises and to grow up and to mature, and sometimes you get this as a four-year-old and you get a dominant horse who, who has turned the corner. And I think that that's what happened with National Treasure. I, think that, I don't think you're wrong and a lot of people are wrong in their assessment of like National Treasure. A lot of his previous successes have come uh, without much adversity and easy pace races. And, and this time he showed up and, and kind of attended a real pace and it, it's because he was able to kind of grow up and mature and to improve. And I think that that doesn't always happen anymore because of the business that is breeding. And I understand that business. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that it, it's a reminder that if you have a fringe type who has a nice little offer and you think I'm going to take this money off the table and, and, and go, go ahead and go to be a stallion in Turkey, just, just wait a second and allow the horse to kind of grow up and you never know. They might turn into something special. National treasure is going to knock on a lot of doors all year long. I would imagine because he's a, he's a well-bred horse. He obviously is a good looking horse. He's well-trained. He's well-ridden. Um, I think he'll always be in the mix. I think this year in, in that handicap division. 
needed Senor Buscador for my lungs, JK, advised to the Brits at uh, 16 to 1 earlier in the week. And, you know, you cashed the, the place part of your each way, but I I messed it up. I, I, I ended up, and I even said, it's one of these things, just like, listen to yourself early in the week sometimes, and all the stuff that happens between your first view after doing the work, and then it puts you away as much as it helps you. I said, make sure if you're going to bet this horse to have him also in significant ways in second, third, and, 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 and fourth. But I ended up in a position where I was alive in a group ticket pick five. So I had all these great payouts to, to other horses. And I just kind of didn't bet it enough, you know, to backing up myself with with Buscador. I'm happy to hear from a lot of people who read the At the Races piece who who did well because of it. But uh, myself, I did not. Nine to one second for Senor Buscador. He did everything but win. Beaten the neck by a horse who, again, just put on a superb performance. He's so consistent. He's so cool. Gulfstream's not really supposed to be his track. He could be very interesting also in some of these bigger target races as the year goes on. I, I don't know. Do you do you buy that reading or are you going to say, wait a second, Pete, what are you talking about? He had the pace scenario of a lifetime and still couldn't beat National Treasure. He'll probably never beat him. Where where do you stand on that question? No, I mean, I, I look, I, I think that, that there's something to build off of there, right? I mean, we kind of know who he is, but I think that there's something to build off. You know, he, he still beat a lot of other good horses. So, um Let's, it's kind of a wait and see for me. I'm not like cutting in line to bet him next time, but I will say this, a nice little exact hit for our, our friends at Lane's End with Quality Road being the sire of National Treasure and then Mineshaft uh, being the, the, uh, the, the uh, sire of Senior Buscador. People have been hearing those Lane's and Legacy segments. We do the audio here. You can find the video version quite easily through our various social media. What's the best way for people to keep up with all that content, JK, that you're going to be doing throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, we, we post them on Instagram. Uh, we do it on Twitter as well. Um, production show in the in the middle of the uh, of the of the show. Maybe we should put them on YouTube as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, we're idea. rolling. Yeah, good stuff. Um, the rest of the race, I mean, the re- the rest of the horses to me were the rest of the horses. Croupy, who I had a snarky line about. You know, the Brits all want to talk about Croupy because of because uh, of Frankie. And I said, guys, you got to remember, it's horse racing, not jockey racing. Well, the ha-ha was on me at the end of the day because he runs third and gets the each-way money for those who believe prices like 50 to 1 over there. No, actually, they were less than that over there because of his uh, – precisely because of his uh, Frankie connection, though I, he was – pushed out far on the exchanges anyway you bet croupy to finish in the top three you get the money but uh not sure that's a result that i really see repeating itself no i mean he, he was always meant to be a good horse right i mean they named him after um after someone who was who was you know special to them so when that happens that 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 uh i think that you know there's an indication of the talent he was always well meant he just maybe he's just gonna figure it out as an older horse but you know like i said no another one likely not cutting in line uh, to bet. I thought Hoist the Gold ran pretty well considering the situation, you know, which, sure. was kind of being attended to there. I don't think he really wants to go that far. I think Hoist the Gold the type of horse that, you know, maybe if they start going the other direction with him, maybe the seven furlong variety, he could be pretty nasty in some of those grade ones that we'll have throughout the year. Maybe the Met Mile will be interesting for him that uh, I saw, which I was curious, will be run out of the uh, the Wilson shoot um, at Saratoga. So that that little half one turn mile situation. 
I had a, a run in, in in Christine Lee's after the races, which was which was fabulous. Thanks to the to the team there for being so hospitable. But I was able to sit down at a, at a table for a minute. J.K., this is the kind of story you usually tell, but I, but I got some elbow rubbing with some racing luminaries and had the great pleasure of uh, sitting next to Angel Cordero for a while and talking to him, trying to encourage him, trying to tell him we need a part two of the terrific uh, JK plus one you guys did with video that's up on the, on the YouTube channel last year. But Johnny came by to, to say hello. And, and, and I think it was Angel who said to him, well, you, you made him work or something to that effect, referring to national treasure um, with, with the, with the tactics on, on hoist the gold and seems like one who just is going to be, very very dangerous going a bit going a bit shorter i think you're right about the met mile being a target i wonder ultimately if if even seven furlongs would be better we'll see what happens we'll see who shows up but i thought he ran a brave race and it was great to see uh, johnny just try to put the sword to that field it made it it made it a real race in a way it surely would not have been had national treasure been able to walk the dog then it would have been a, a, a case of a race that produced more questions than answers, but as it was, it was a very, uh, a very exciting and and an honest race. I thought, even though uh, I ended up getting sand kicked in my face, I'm trying to dig for the time form U.S. chart now. I'm just curious how much of an upgrade hoist the gold ended up getting in that spot. Uh, while There's I no figure, that, no figure, no figure yet. No, no figure yet. I was going to ask you if you had any other thoughts on the Pegasus before we uh, the Pegasus World Cup before we move on to the turf and all that. No, the turf's good. Let's hit it. Let's do it. So Warm Heart, who there was a lot of back and forth about, um, you know, it was a question of, it seemed pretty clear she was not going to run her best race for a number of factors, including the fact that it's such a sharp uh, distance for her and what her accomplishments were, including the fact that it was a little bit of an afterthought and that she's on her way to her date with Justify. And she did decline, I think it's safe to say, uh, checking, it, checking in with a 100 buyer speed figure, which while excellent for most um, turf runners, and, and uh, she's so good that that's definitely not the best of her ability. Got to feel like the story of the race was Ryan Moore and the ride he gave and the trip she ultimately got. Oh, little aside here. I always like Pete Aiello. I thought his calls were particularly excellent. He does that thing, you know, Frank Miramati's known for it as well. They let the horse players know what they need to know and will sort of identify runs and just put you almost in the jockey's head for a minute. I thought his description of what was going to happen or what might happen with uh, Warm Heart and Ryan Moore's decision to, to to stick down on the inside there was just perfect and really added to the drama and, and commentary of the race. It's the kind of thing, if you were post-producing, it would be the line that you'd put in there. You know, if, if you were putting in the call after the race, he does that stuff in real time. Warm Heart was very, very good. She showed her class. And, I mean, no offense, just showed to me why I think the exact line I used was, their horses are just so much better than ours. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, I mean, I'm a believer that, you know, the right one, we, we, if we have the right ones, we can compete, right? Think about think about up to the mark. You know, he's the right one. And, and with a better trip and a little bit better circumstance, he might have won uh, the Breeders' Cup turf. But, you know, I, I look, you know, we always do this, Pete. I'm sure you do it, and a lot of racing fans do it as well. But, like, when they ran by us for the first time in that race, I was standing next to Sheikh Fahad of Qatar Racing and to my wife, and I looked at both of them and I said, "If this race is over, 
if if Ryan got warm heart that close against these horses, the race is over. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was forward, because I know that like even someone like Sean Borman's concern was the distance, right? And like, w- w- is she going to run her best race at that distance? Is she going to be better going longer? And that was your concern as well. But in my brain, with her that close, it then was going to be a stamina game that she wasn't going to lose. And and that's what what worked out. I mean, I, look, I'm I'm wrong half the time when I say that horse is going to win from there. But I was right. I was happen to be right in that situation. And and I think it was it was a brilliant ride. And and yeah, I mean, she was just better. I mean, um, than than those. I'm very busy. Made a nice little run, but um, but you know, she she was best in my opinion. It's funny because she abs- he absolutely did. And I think if I didn't know who the horses were and I was watching, I would have said, oh, man, this I'm very busy as a chance to get her. And I know it was only a half length in the end. I, nobody was ever getting by. With, with her class and her stamina, once she was there, it didn't matter how menacing the runs looked. She and Brian Moore were going to be getting to the to the wire. Warm heart, very, very impressive. Very nice run from I'm very busy, though. Again, though, I think what a mistake people might make out of this race going forward is to see I'm very busy and be like, wow, half a length to warm heart. That's awesome form. And think of him as like a 105 buyer type. He's probably a 99 buyer type because I really and firmly do believe she declined for all the reasons that Sean and I thought she might. So I, I'm going to take this figure, the figure which came back 100, I feel like is exactly right. Um, am I being too negative about the likes of catnip and, and I'm very busy or do you, do you, you smell what I'm cooking? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I it, it's, you know, I, they, they both kind of came from out of it. And if you look at the, at the, at the kind of the placings of where horses were early, you know, warm heart was two links off the lead. I'm very busy. Six catnip, four, a tone, seven integration, five, Web Slinger, seven. They, they, you know, the, the race kind of, and then the horses that were forward, like Jerry the Nipper in main event, uh, they were out the back. Uh, that tells me this thing kind of fell apart to a certain extent. Catnip was actually, you're right about the lengths, but was actually second um, at the at the quarter call of the race and ran pretty darn well, 46 to one uh, under Detori. Another one who somebody mentioned to me as a contender, you know, again, probably somebody from over there who just wanted to bet on Frankie. And, you know, there's days where that works out pretty well. <laughs> Famously so, as a matter of fact, thinking back to the Magnificent Seven. But, uh, yeah, another one, there, the Frankie fans, uh, the Frankie fans ended up doing pretty darn well in that spot. Uh, a tone overperformed what I thought, too. Another uh, good ride, I thought, by O'Sheen getting that one up there to, to round out a very nice superfecta. Quick word on my guy, Cheryl Spite, did not end up doing as well as I thought, but excuse after excuse, getting knocked around at a couple of different times in the race, still trying before ultimately flattening out, understandable, given those uh, early exertions. I think this is a horse that still has big race win coming up at some stage of the season. We shall see. The elephant in the room, don't know what you want to call it here, JK, but we, we can't leave the race and I don't mean to insult the horse. I mean, the horses have bad days, but I just shocking betting to me in the end, you know, I got the idea that integration and warm heart were going to be like close in the betting. Um, and the idea that integration could be favored in the betting wasn't um, awful to me. What wasn't crazy to me, but for him to be a dollar 20 to her two forty, what the hell was going on there? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I thought he made sense as, a, as an interesting type that could beat her. And I think if you oh, wanted oh, to follow, 
I'm I think you want to talk about the prices. I like the horse, but I, I'm just saying the pricing was crazy. Yeah. Well, I just think that, I think that people, I think that, that, that a lot of people, you know, there's reasons to be against warm heart and there was reasons to be, to believe in integration, especially depending on what figures you looked at. I mean, he was kind of right there in the mix, right? You know, there are 120 types. He was right there, 120 types. Um, you know, and sometimes also there's only one running line for a horse like warm heart in the U S and so sometimes people don't know how to really react to that. And you have integration who's just been running kind of big races. You have a little bit more to believe in and to lean on. Uh, I think it probably had a little bit to do with that. Marshall Graham, who was anti-integration, and he made this point before the race. And maybe there's a subtle point here about class and form and, and how important it is relative to dirt races in turf races, said that before the race, he's like, consider where this horse has been running. You know, one one race at Aqueduct and a couple of races at, at Colonial Downs. And, and now people want to make the horse favored over warm heart. <laughs> after the race, this is the, the, those people are going to I predict after the race, those people are going to look pretty silly when he runs up the track. And Marshall, as usual, gets uh, gets one right. I I was not bold like that. I, I like the horse a lot. I But I but I did agree that the, the, the betting was a little over enthusiastic, shall we say. Any other thoughts on the turf? No, that's it. All right. Let's see where else we want to go. Oh, we got to talk about Didia in the the Philly and Mary Invitational. Didia has gotten so much love on our network over the years. Uh, I've been a big fan. I know you've been a big fan. Uh, Jessica Paquette's considering getting a a Didia tattooed on her body at this point, I think. This was a a, a very nice ride from Jose Ortiz, um, 3.30 to 1, and got the job done over uh, a big price in surprisingly another more good work from O'Sheen Murphy. Should we be surprised? Second, the first question is going to be about Didia, but the second question you can fold into it. Should we be surprised to see O Murphy and El Dottori outrunning their odds on almost every turf horse they ride in the U.S.? JK? No, I, I wouldn't be shocked about it. And, and actually, at the Calvin Harris concert, O'Sheen was standing on the back of this like this like chair. It was a very small little piece of, of material to be standing on. And he was turning and spinning and like, just like the, the, um, the athleticism <laughs> that that man showed standing on the back of that chair was something I've never seen before. Uh, very impressive. That's crazy. He's all core. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It was, that was, if you're doing that, that, was that kind of stuff. Yeah, give give me wild. your thoughts on Diddy real quick. Yeah, no, I think she's really good, man. Like she, she, she's been kind of good. Mute at this stage of the show. Oh, did I get stuck on mute? No, I'm here. Check, check, check. No, 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 I'm here. I'm leaving. Oh, I was never. Keep going. I was. Yeah, I was never on mute. That's weird. I'm gonna just drop for a second. Um, yeah, she's she's talented, and you know, and when you can win like that, kind of in a forward way, she's got numbers that kind of back it. You know, I think I think she'll make a lot of noise this year. Hopefully, if she sticks around for some Grade One type races, um, yeah, I think she's I think she's she was good on the day for sure. Yeah, I mean, a very, very useful, but beyond useful horse. Uh, terrific stuff. I thought uh, Ruby Nell ran well, all things considered. I, I didn't, wouldn't have given you a nickel after the, the break. You know, I wonder what the chart said. It looked to me like there was a bump. And it was one of those things where, you know, I'm sure Frankie wanted for all the world to be on the lead, but where he found himself and as the other horses that got the jump on him, accomplished girl um, among them, getting to the front, Diddy also out in front of him early. I felt like he had to settle. I just don't think Ruby Nell, I don't think this is, and maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong. 
I don't think this is West Coast turf horse chipping East, not good enough. I just don't think she was seen to her best effect with that trip. Ran pretty well, all things considered. One, I would definitely consider betting back out of this. You, Pete, you cut out a little bit, my bad. I- oh, I was uh, I, I was suggesting I'll fix, I will go back and fix these because uh, uh, Zencast are not behaving for us at the moment. But I was just saying Ruby Nell for me, maybe one to take out of the race. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think anytime you have, anytime you have these, you know, West coast types show up on the East coast and kind of perform, I think that's like a, Hey, we're pretty talented over here. Uh, notice. And, and I thought the way that she ran, uh, was definitely honorable. She was close up chasing Diddy around there. And, and I, I thought she ran well, definitely. Very strong speed figure in the inside information earned by Olivia Darling. Um, daughter of Palace, coming back with a 99 buyer speed figure in there, winning by two and a quarter. And, oh, I probably shouldn't have waited this late in the show, by the way, to say uh, Irad Ortiz Jr. put on a, a bit of a master class himself on the day. Horse for course, Mary quite contrary, a bit disappointing, I thought, though, did manage third. Nice run from uh, Bluefield, who was uh, tipped nicely, not by me, but by others elsewhere on the network. Um, it was Olivia Darling's day in the end, and a pretty generous 7-1, to one, I thought. What, what was your view on the inside information? Yeah, well, you know, Mary Quite Contrary was was just going to be a little bit over bet. She just kind of had numbers that kind of put her right there. But let's not forget that, like, you know, some of her biggest performances and the, and the ones that really get you going, like with Goodnight Olive and Echo Zulu and all of that stuff, those are for Suge McGahee. And, like, no offense to any police, but, like, that, I think we're talking about a different scenario here. So it, 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 it was reasonable for her not to run as well. Um, but you, you know, I, I also feel like you couldn't really toss her in that situation because she absolutely could win. I thought that was one of the toughest races of the entire sequence. Um, but yeah, Olivia Darling ran, she ran well, she showed up and, and, and did her thing. And, uh, anytime a horse shows up now for ammo racing, that's kind of got my attention. Yeah, they were obviously all around the world winning races, and that was uh, that was certainly a nice one for them uh, for them out there. The McKnight we could talk about real quick. I was anti Francesco Clemente going in. I know you liked already. I think the problem I made here, and it's something that we a lot of us do, you get very wedded to your opinion when you handicap the race, and then don't take enough time on a busy day to reevaluate that race after the changes because I, I felt like the 16 f5 getting in this race really changed it very meaningfully especially with a, such an aggressive Luis Saez up front Mike Maloney writes about this in his book betting with an edge I, I, I love the phrase he uses and he's so right and I never do it because I'm too busy recording podcasts and schmoozing but try to find a way to guard the time set time aside for yourself between when the scratches come out and when the day begins and you really put your final wagering plan together, because having that extra speed horse, I'm not saying Francesco Clemente wouldn't have won anyway. Your got him up there by two and a quarter. He probably just wins by less. And I, and I was wrong in any case, but it's just a good case. I think a good opportunity to make the case that, you know, having F5 in there that ensured the fast pace that we weren't necessarily thinking uh, weren't necessarily thinking was going to happen. And I do think it meaningfully changed the race for Stappen tipped out by just about everybody on the network, I think ran a little bit better than it looked here. I think he ended up, I don't think this is even necessarily a case of, oh, he doesn't want to go that far. It may be, but I think this was also a classic move into a hot pace. And uh, 
Detori, you know, he didn't say he did anything wrong. It just happens the way that races flow sometimes, you know, made that menacing mood move. I don't know. Let me ask you about Verstappen. Is is your read that you'd bet him back at a mile and a half, or, or do you think he is begging for the cutback? Um Yeah, I, I don't know. I I he he's a tricky one for me. Um You like him I going would, in, right? Yeah, I liked him going in, but I didn't see like an over the the, the top like excuse. You know what I mean? I just just kind of a, a little bit empty when it was all done. I, this horse has run well going these long distances before. Um, had run since November. Maybe just needed one off of that. I, I, I don't know. I, I believe the horse is still talented. I'll have to kind of evaluate as they where the horse shows up. I don't think you can gain a lot. Just a little bit of disappointment from that situation. I mean, if Frankie couldn't boot him home. Um, maybe too close to the pace. Pace was yeah. at least honest enough. It fell apart. Tricky one. Yeah, that's my that's that's basically my read is I'm gonna probably upgrade him on uh in, in, for trip reasons in this. I don't I think he's probably a little bit closer to Francesco Clemente than those three lengths suggest that were that were pulled out in the end. Francesco Clemente, son of Dubawi, gets a 97 buyer speed figure in that shot. Oh, while we're talking Gulfstream stakes, a quick word on uh, the Hooper, which was won by Tumbarumba. Another, another uh, Marshall Graham observation over the weekend. It was great fun hanging with, uh, hanging with him. And uh, we, we were just having a, this was before this race. <laughs> it was the night before. And we're just talking about the breeding industry and how hard it is to know and he's like, breeding industry, like, I, I just don't get it sometimes. American Pharaoh, you know, is better with, with turf horses and an Oscar performance is better with dirt horses. Like, how is that even possible? It was just sort of an idle comment he made. But it was funny then to see Tumbarumba by Oscar performance get the job done at that spot. 97 buyer speed figure there. And uh, my, my friend Joe, I don't know what he did after he... He, and the name isn't exactly the same, but he, he bribed the DJ in the Sport of Kings Lounge somehow to play that obnoxious uh, Chumbawamba hit from a few years ago. Do you know the one I mean, JK? They, I, I think there's a chance you might know Chumbawamba simply because um, th- there's no real names. It's it's like a goofy, you know, a, a, it, it's, it's a goofy name. So so I figure that gives you some chance of knowing it. No, no, I'm, I'm unsure. I'm unsure about that, but... but uh... <laughs> But the horse makes sense. You know, I, I, the horse ran extremely well at fairgrounds leading up to this race and was drawn well and, you know, looked to be finishing, got a fast number that day. So made, made a lot of sense. I will say this to, to Marshall's point about the, the, the kind of the trickiness of that. I think maybe what might happen, and this is from someone who's never bred, but just kind of listening to other people talk. When you have a horse like American Pharaoh, you want to, you want to kind of, you, you kind of send stamina type of mares to him as a triple crown winner. And I think sometimes with that stamina comes in some hidden turf. Um, and then I think the, you know, kind of conversely with like a horse like Oscar performance in America, you, you want to breed to a dirt mare because you don't necessarily, you're not like shooting for turf. Um, right. And then you end up Cosby having horses. Too. that Yeah. Cosby yeah. And dirt often go together. There's a logic there. Yeah. So I think maybe that's, maybe that's why I don't, I don't really know though. The big Chumbawamba tune was called Tub Thumping, and the, the, the recurring lyric in it is perfect for horse players, JK. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Whatever. Ain't nothing going to keep me down. Something like that. Oh, well, it's, I know that song. Wow. Yeah, it's, 
good good one for all of us. So yeah, that was ringing throughout the sport of Kings. We're just about out of time, Jonathan, but I did want to give you a chance. I know, you know, knowing you, we can't have a show where I have more name drops than you. That would be the first time in in the money history that's happened. And currently I'm at uh I'm at we don't count Marshall. He's part of the team, but I'm currently at two with Angel and Johnny. You're only at one with with uh, with Sheikh Fahad. So so tell us another story about your your rubbing elbows with celebrities this week. Well, I saw Angel too, so I cancel you out. Um, uh, who do we see? I, I saw Joe Kim Noah on the elevator. That was kind of cool. Oh, nice! Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to uh, let's see, who else did I that I talk to? Um, that's that's about it, really. I, I, I'll say that the probably the, the funniest moment was 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 you know my photo bomb of Nick Luck. You know, as a person who's been on TV before, understands the stresses of like having to get ready for a situation. Nick was doing one of those kind of cool next level walk and talks where he's like walking while he's doing his like presentation. I wasn't paying attention. I was looking behind me and talking to my wife and then like looking to go find Reagan Swinbank and and Jake Ballas. I had finally put my eyes on them. So I started my beeline to them but I walked right in front of Nick while he was doing his walk and talk. My wife grabbed me and pulled me back. And, uh, and, and so like, there's a shot of me on NBC, like basically almost running into Nick. And I, so I, I apologized to him in a, in a, in a text message with a screenshot and he was laughing. So oh, he wasn't great. mad about it, but I, I just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> hey, and now you can add that to your resume seen featured on Fox and NBC. You're, 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 you know, it all works, man. It all works. I'm a man. All- I'm a man of, I'm a man of both channels. <laughs> There's a few of you out there. Oh, that's great stuff. Nick's such a pro. I'm sure he's used to it. Any closing thoughts, JK, before we wrap this edition of the show? No fun weekend. Uh, keep an eye out for uh, for our, some derby coverage. We're going to preview the the three Pete production meeting in the middle of the show. Ooh. Three derby preps this weekend: the Robert Lewis, uh, the Holy Bull, and the Southwest. So that'll be up or you know midweek uh, on YouTube. So make sure you check that out. Comment. Let us know who you like, don't like, why we're crazy, who could beat fierceness, who can't beat fierceness. Looking to that. Uh, and then next week we'll have a little updated list on those derby horses. So just keep an eye out for the YouTube page. If you haven't subscribed already to the YouTube page, uh, subscribe and hit that notification icon so that you know when we post something, you, 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 nothing can slip through the cracks on you. It's very smart, and it's also very helpful to us to, to completely lay our cards on the table. If you want a free way to help us, that's, that's a great way to do it. Uh, other upcoming comments, Sean Borman's coming back. We're going to be back uh, today or tomorrow. We haven't quite figured out the schedule yet, but he's got some pro player diary chat for us. So if you're mad for this show um, ending 20 minutes early and you're concerned about uh, what you're going to listen to on your commute uh, tomorrow afternoon, you'll have Sean Borman. That'll be a lot of fun. Make sure you check that out as well. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thank our founding partner, uh, 10 Strike Racing. One more time, also throw out... uh, a, uh, a a a a clap a uh, a thumbs up whatever you want to Kim Weir who's going to be back on these airwaves very soon to talk about her new gig very excited to hear about that knowing her it's going to involve helping people and horses and uh, we're going to be supporting it here at the in the money media network thanks so most of all to all of you the listeners for making these shows so much fun to do for Jonathan Kinchin I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal may you win all your photos.